This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. It is the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for giving me some time today. Tell a friend if you've not done so already. The Macker is still flapping his gums a couple of times a week on Bet Rivers, and usually about things that he finds to be interesting. He doesn't feel forced to talk about the Denver Nuggets, even though I wanted to talk about the Denver Nuggets. Thing is, America is not having conversation about the Denver Nuggets, but I pick a couple of topics a couple of times a week, and hopefully they are things that are of interest to you, the Chicago sports fan, you the human person, because on Father's Day weekend, that would be, as you may have guessed, what's on my mind more than anything. But first, I want to get to the victorious White Sox last night, giving it to the Dodgers. Oh, here they come. Those White Sox are uh, thumping again. And it's Jake Berger time with a couple of home runs last night. Jake Berger, the fleshy one, the 27-year-old former number one pick, has homered 16 times or 15 times this season, and he's only got 140 official at-bats. That's a pretty good ratio. That's Man, you could extrapolate that out. This guy's a 45 home run a year man. If you could get him uh, those, if he could stay in one piece, he's a guy who blew out his Achilles a few years ago and then re-injured that Achilles. And I don't suspect, given his body type, he's a big husky guy, that he's going to have a very long career and he is destined to be a designated hitter. Of course he is. He was drafted by the White Sox. They like designated hitters. But he was terrific again last night. The Sox got a lead and then squandered it. Mike Clevenger got hurt. They had some sloppy defensive play, but then they they turn on the Jets again late, and it's Berger who winds up being the hero. Luis Robert Jr., also very, very uh, much a part of the win. Last night, he hit his 16th home run of the year. Now, uh, he's he's got, I think, another uh, 125 more plate appearances than Berger does and one more home run on the year. Junior uh, is, is the only everyday reliable in the White Sox lineup. The White Sox do beat the Dodgers last night. And, uh, you know, they're, they're very much alive if you believe in mathematics. And why wouldn't you? I mean, the numbers do not lie. They are a playoff team potentially based on the fact they are in the American League Central, which is a horrible division. Uh, the, the white hot twins, uh, white heat, red hot twins is what I meant to say. 
sitting atop the division a couple of games above the 500 mark. Boy, are they on a roll. The Twins have won two in a row. They're really streaking. But uh, to me, it's Tim Anderson time again with the conversation. I really want the White Sox to dump him. I'm tired of the sideshow of Tim Anderson. If you've been with this podcast during the baseball season, you likely have heard me say it before. I did not listen to the interview he did with Ryan Clark. I am told based on all of the coverage, the interview has received people getting on social media, people like David Haw, whose opinion I, I, I respect the scores morning host, uh, a ball state Cardinal saying it's probably the most candid interview he's ever heard with a current Chicago professional athlete. Meaning at the time the guy does the interview, he's still uh, professional, a professional athlete. And that, that's fine. If Tim Anderson wants to publicly share how his marriage has been challenged because he's not been faithful <laughs> and fathered a child with one of his um, side dishes, if you will, I, I'm not a fan of Tim Anderson's nonsense. I think he's been a distraction since his first year as a superstar, when he was a superstar, because he's garbage now. He might be the worst everyday player in baseball, Anderson. His his OPS is less than 600, and he's still hitting atop the order. 0 for 5 last night. And I just don't want to be reminded of a guy who likened himself to Jackie Robinson, who's going to who's going to break the fun barrier in baseball. I've been over this time and time again. It's a broken record, so I'm not going to go too deep on it today. I'm just saying he's in the news again today. And Ozzie Guillen suggesting that it's time for a scenery change earlier in the week. And I think that's that's accurate. I think White Sox fans have had it no matter what he did in 2019 when he won the batting title with a 335 B.A., He's lost all that equity. And and to me, he he should have had more during that season than he got because of the shit he said on the side about putting fun in baseball and, and breaking barrier, you know, in talking about his fashion. Nobody cares what you wear. People people want you to give a hundred percent and succeed and and be a team guy. They don't really care what you wear. They don't really care about bat flips. And uh, and then he couldn't take it when it was thrown back at him by people who wanted to acknowledge the Jackie Robinson comment was assholish because it was. What Jackie Robinson endured in the 40s and 50s is, is nothing. You know, it's just with this Tim Anderson, it's frustrating to hear people talk like that. And I've not spent one day in a black man's skin. I don't know what it's like to be black, so I cannot relate. But I know, based on everything I've read, heard, been told, um, witnessed about the way things were in America in an era before my arrival, even during the first 10 years of my life, when things were still a little bit crazy in the States in the 60s, and there was still a ton of civil unrest, not that there isn't still some today, but uh, don't want to hear it. Move along, Tim Anderson, get him going, get him on his way. And that'll suit me just fine. As the White Sox continue their Western swing over Father's Day weekend, they will be in Seattle 
after wrapping their series with the Dodgers. The Cubs, meanwhile, boy, what's your favorite memory of uh, of Cubs dates against the Baltimore Orioles? The Orioles are coming to Chicago after the Cubs and Pirates wrap up their series tonight at Wrigley. Uh, I can't think of one, Cubs, Cubs and Orioles. If you have one, good for you. Good for you. Uh, when I think Orioles, I always think of uh, of the Frank Robinson, Brooks Robinson, four 20-game winners from that staff in the late 60s, early 70s. Dave McNally, Pat Dobson, Mike Cuellar, and Jim Palmer. Um, those are those are my Orioles. And that was my first team. That was my first team I played on in, uh, in organized baseball, the Highland Southside Little League Orioles. And that's what I want to talk about more than anything, and that is baseball being a bond between fathers and sons. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast, and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week, typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. I don't know if I've used the movie City Slickers to uh, to try and make a point about art imitating life very often when I've talked about how movies really can can be relatable and can say things that we've thought or or maybe have been aware of but never really verbalized. But there is a scene in in City Slickers when Daniel Stern's character is describing his relationship with his father uh, and how it sort of waned once he got to be a teenager and in his late teens. And he was telling the other people who were on the um, the expedition where they were moving cattle from Colorado to New Mexico or New Mexico to Colorado, it doesn't matter. He was telling them that even when he and his father did not have something to relate about they had baseball. Baseball was there for them as as a bridge, as a way of being in touch with each other. And he said he felt that was real, that he understood the criticisms of sports being such just a peripheral component of people's lives. But, you know, it was real. Their, their conversations were real when they regarded baseball. And I think that speaks for a lot of people. I think there is, and I don't know how much it's changed in America. I think it's, 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 it's changed, but it still is a common thread because baseball, while it probably is behind soccer in terms of youth participation at a young age, there still is T-ball at five and six and seven. And now little league uh, starting much earlier than it did in the seventies. But uh, it's always been something for for fathers and sons to to share. And baseball was a huge part of my relationship with my dad growing up. And I will again point to City Slickers when Billy Crystal is describing the experience of going to his first Yankees game with his dad. And uh, they only had a black and white television in the house, he explains. And he said, there's that gorgeous green copper roof that I'd never seen in color. And my dad walks me up. My hand is in his hand. And I see the fresh green grass 
of Yankee Stadium, and it reminded me so much as he's describing that story in City Slickers of my dad taking me to my first game at Wrigley Field and how that was such a a, a connective tissue for us. Really for, you know, until I was a late teen uh, and shifted more toward being a football fan and we replaced baseball with football, but baseball was a huge part of the father and son relationship. And, uh, you know, I was the one who taught my dad how to keep score because I, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was the want to be a sports writer. I picked up on that stuff way earlier than most. I was scoring games with homemade scorecards when I was eight or nine years old. I've told the story before of, of being home, uh, not feeling well the day Kenny Holtzman threw his first no hitter for the Cubs on August 19th of 1969. I was getting ready to turn eight and I, it was a day after having an abscess tooth removed. So I didn't run down to Ellendale park. Now Markley park in Highland to play pitcher's handout um, because it just wasn't feeling. So I made a homemade scorecard and there it is. Kenny, uh, Kenny Holtzman throws a no hitter against the Braves. And I make up imaginary quotes from Hank Aaron from uh, who made the last out of the game, a little slow roller to Cubs second baseman, Glenn Beckert for the four, three put out Beckert fumbled that ball momentarily said Vince Lloyd. Those were uh, those were the most connective times I had with my dad going to games uh, and and enjoying the ballpark, enjoying each other's company. And uh, I, I just want to say, as we head into Father's Day weekend, um, if if your dad is still alive uh, and you are the type of person who likes to let people know how they feel, pick up the phone if you're not going to be with him face-to-face and let him know how you feel about all those times he did those things for you. And I, I lost my dad in 2019. He was 85 years old. Roy passed away in September of 19. And I, I did have many, many years. He was only sick for about the last seven or eight months of his life. But during his final years, I took time to remind him repeatedly of how grateful I was uh, for all of the times he he grabbed me by the hand and took little chubby to uh, to Wrigley, to Sox Park, to Chicago Stadium, to see baseball, to see football, or to see hockey. Uh, I, I was more of a football on TV guy even as a kid uh, than I was with the other sports. But my dad was there for me with those things, and that really is something that Father's Day reminds me of each and every year. And a, a quick story on my first Blackhawks game I attended was the December 6th game of 1972 against the LA Kings at the stadium. My dad knew I was an enormous Hawks fan. He came in my bedroom on a Sunday night, a couple weeks prior. And he said, did the Hawks win? I had the the little earpiece in my ear, listening to the transistor radio. Lloyd Pettit was describing the action. I said, yep, they won. They beat the Red Wings three to one. And he said, who are they playing Wednesday? And in that era, it was Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, almost every year. Wednesday night would be the home game. I said something like the Rangers are in town and then they go to Minnesota. And he says, do you know who they're playing on Wednesday, December 6th? And I'm thinking, why in the world would he ask me about that? It's two or three weeks down the road. And then a light bulb goes on uh, being the you know sharp thinker I am. He must have tickets. I said, no. 
did you get tickets? He took me in his bedroom and he opened his jewelry box and he shows me those shiny boards, those like the golden ticket to the chocolate factory. There they were with the logos embossed on them. It wasn't on his phone. Uh, he didn't have a portable phone, but it was an actual tangible ticket. And I just I, I just stared at that. T- I couldn't sleep. I just wanted to stare at that ticket the rest of the night. And as it turns out, that Wednesday, we had really bad snow. And Roy didn't know his way around the city real well. Even though he lived there as a kid, he'd, he spent most of his time in northwest Indiana. It was snowing. He didn't, he wasn't, it took him a long time to just get home from Lever Brothers to get the Highland. And then he says, I don't know, son. It's not supposed to stop for another few hours. We may, oh, dad, he looked at the chubby, sad eyed puppy dog face kid. And he says, all right, get, get your boots. We're going to the game. And so we went and the Hawks beat Rogie Vashon and the Kings six to nothing. Tony Esposito posted the shutout. My guy, Stan Makita scored a goal. Hell, Keith Magnuson even won a fight for the Hawks that night. But that was that was my dad. That that was him sticking his neck out for me. That was him wanting to make me happy, even though he thought it was a little bit um, potentially dangerous to make that commute. He did it because that's what dads do. And that's what I've tried to do. I've tried to give back to my three boys what uh, what my dad gave to me in terms of time spent with them. And as kids get older, they are less desirous of spending time with you unless they are severely autistic, like my son, Patrick, who is is the joy of my life. He is a 29-year-old in many ways. He has the problem-solving intelligence of a typical 29-year-old man, but he has the maturity level of a much younger person. And uh, verbally, he is he's not very advanced. He, he speaks when he needs something, primarily. He's not a conversationalist by any stretch. But uh, he, does, he does know how to make people happy by singing. It's a different part of the brain that controls singing versus speech, and it's much easier for him to sing than it is speak. So he he communicates with his music and it's it's been uh, interesting as, as i've had way more time on my hands these last 10 years of my life to have him want to be around more than his brothers and i have relationships with my my oldest son van with a fishing relationship and we get together regularly because of our our shared fondness for musky fishing and my youngest son jack who is a drummer 28-year-old Jack is uh, is very much into having conversations with me about classic rock. And when his bands play, I go see them as often as I can. But Patrick is the one who depends on me for his entertainment. And I, I consider his autism a gift. I didn't always look at it that way. I was I was pretty pretty selfish and pretty immature about it when uh, when I got the news in October of 96 that he was he was autistic and it was it was tough on me I brooded I self-medicated I didn't react like an adult meanwhile Patrick's mother rolled up her sleeves and did everything she could to make his world a better one and she has since split a verb there she since has improved the lives of of many autistic boys, girls, now young adults, and their families through her study of ABA therapy and um, behavioral reconditioning, if you will, at her clinic in Merrillville. And I'm so proud of her. And I'm so proud of Patrick. And 
because I have this idle time on my hands, I'm, I consider his autism a gift to me. If I could give him a pill and, and fix him, would I do it? Yes, I would in a heartbeat. But the things I'd be robbing him of, like normal thinking, you know, he doesn't have vanity. He doesn't care if his clothes match. He doesn't care if people snicker. He's not aware of it. If he is aware of it, he doesn't give a shit. Uh, if he wants to sing silver bells in line at Jewel uh, in the middle of June, he's going to do that. And he makes people smile. He he gives people a gift. So if if he were not neurologically challenged, neurologically malwired, it wouldn't be like that. And we'd 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 lose something. Would I do it? Yes. Because Patrick, uh, as he is, and as he likely will be, is not going to ever live on his no, uh, live on his own. He's not going to know intimacy, um, and uh, and that bothers me. But at the same time, I know his heart is pure, and I know that uh, that he makes a lot of worlds a lot better in sports today. I think. We are are getting closer to getting back to some of those traditional values that fathers and sons once enjoyed, and then maybe it went away for a little bit. But when I talk to dads about their kids, whether they are dads my age with kids who are in out of college already and starting their own lives, or friends of mine who are younger and their kids are still going through sports, uh, and still going through the educational system, I, I I find it to be one of the most uplifting things in 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 my life when when fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and fathers and daughters for that matter too. But when we have that that deep rooted that deep rooted love that uh, you don't find anywhere else that you only find in your in your home with your family. I, that's what, that's what keeps me happy. That's what, that's what makes me tick when I see that genuine fondness. A buddy of mine called me recently and he said, he he called while on the golf course because his son, who is in his mid twenties, just made a hole in one, the first hole in one in his life. And I'm the first guy he wants to talk to. That made me feel good. And it made me feel good that they both wanted to talk to me after it happened. So I I salute you dads, those of you on Father's Day weekend who have um, have done the best you can and uh, and continue to do so and be available for your kids. Happy Father's Day weekend to you. Those of you who are sons of dads who are still alive, let your dad know how you feel about him this weekend. It's okay for men to be open. It's okay for men to share their deepest secrets and their most intimate thoughts. In fact, I think it's more desirable. Look what it's done for Tim Anderson, sharing everything with the world. Happy Father's Day to everybody, including Adam Delavitt, who is the baby Capone. He is he is the director of operations for the Bet Rivers Podcast Network, and he's a, he's a dance dad. He's a soccer dad. He's always very, very involved. Happy Father's Day weekend to you, Adam, and uh, Sam Michael, my executive producer. Thank you. Tom Thayer, 
from Bears Radio is going to visit with me. We're going to find out what Darnell Wright, quite right, he's bloody well right, did well during the minicamp and didn't do well and why some fans might be a little nervous about the number one pick out of Tennessee. That's coming up on Monday. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. I'm Dan McNeil. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.